Uh, I, want to, I want you to picture something scary. It's, uh, it's me, my freshman year in high school. All right, some of you are freshmen here. Um, it's not the grandest time of life. Uh, middle school is awkward for most people. Um, but I'm in Santa Barbara, actually, uh, and I'm at summer camp. I'm at my very first summer camp. And I don't know nothing, right? I didn't care about Jesus. I had barely started going to youth group. And um, I'm at summer camp because it sounded like a fun thing to do. And some of my friends were going. And I thought, okay, I should go. It's at the beach. Um, I don't particularly love the beach. Uh, but I was like, yeah, it's going to be fun. So, so I went to that. And um, I want you to picture me sitting there. And really, there, there was this this dual thing going on in my life where I had started going to church and some of my friends were Christians who were actually trying to live like Christians and who actually believed that the Bible was true and who thought, hey, uh, we're, we're going to try to live for Jesus even in high school. And then a lot of my friends were still people who didn't care anything about Jesus. Um, in fact, they were they were worldly and perverted, and they loved uh, money, and they loved all things bad, and that's the direction that they were pointing their life. And just to shock some of your parents, those were the straight-A students, right? Um, it didn't matter what grade you got, um, what their heart was focused on. And so really, I'm sitting there in Santa Barbara, and they hand me a Bible, and they say, hey, each morning we're going we're gonna to read the Bible and you're going to go off and read it for yourself and then we're going to come and talk about it. And I was like, okay, all right. So I go off the first day to read and it says this. It said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And it was kind of like a moment of like, oh shoot. <sighs> like I, there, there's choices before me, right? Um, middle school, high schoolers, young people, you're starting to make choices that really matter now. Uh, it's, not, it's not little, it's no, no offense, but it's not t-ball anymore. Right? We're playing in the big leagues. We're starting to get, make, make decisions that, that are going to affect your life. And so I read that, and I still remember it to this day. It's probably the only thing I remember uh, about the Bible from my freshman year. Why don't you guys open up to that? That's Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. And I want to encourage you that really what was being challenged in my life was what was I going to delight in? What, what counsel, what ideas were going to really motivate me, were going to really uh, center my life around? What, what was it going to be about? Was it going to be about me? Was it going to be about all the things uh, worldly people were chasing? Or was it going to be about the God who's revealed himself in this book and who sent his son to die for us? And that was really the question that was facing me, and it's the question that faces all of us Every day. So if you would stand with me in honor of God's word, we'll read Psalm chapter 1 and then we'll uh, go through it this morning. Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When you bow your heads, we'll pray. God, we ask your blessing on this time, not, not because of us. Um, Lord, we are needy. Um, we're needy people. We are people that uh, go astray. We are people that sin, people that turn to our own way. And yet, Lord, you've given us your word. You've revealed yourself in it, and you've put your spirit in us who believe. And we ask that you would uh, remind us and teach us, God, of these great truths in this psalm. God, may you be honored and glorified in our lives. God, would you turn us away from the temptation to uh, follow the wicked? God, we love you. Thank you for Christ. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So that's me, my freshman year. Uh, I want to give you a little context. The book of Psalms, this is the very first psalm. Uh, The book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It also contains the longest chapter in the Bible. It also is the midpoint of the Bible. And it was God's people's songbook. It, it was their poetry. It was what they came to over and over again. This, this was not a day of TV, a day where you could look up memes on Instagram. This, this, was, this was the book for them. This, this was what expressed the passions of their heart. And it's not, it is not accidental that this psalm is first. It's a wisdom psalm. And it basically is is trying to set your course for how you would approach the whole book, for how you would approach this whole book, right? And anything that would rival it. And so I wanted to read this quote. It, it, was, it really struck me. It said, the basic theme of the whole book of Psalms is living in real life in the real world. But it's a real life where two dimensions operate, a horizontal, a temporal reality, and a vertical or a transcendent reality. And without denying the pain of the earthly dimension, the people of God are to live joyfully and dependently on the person and the promises that stand behind the heavenly dimension. You guys get that? That was something that was just starting to hit me my freshman year. That there's more to life than just on this earth, right? That, that this earth, it, it can be fun, it can be great, there's tons of wonderful things, but, but there's also pain and there's also uh, sorrow and there's reality of, what's, of what is my life going to be and who am I and, and what is God going to make of me? And so that's kind of the context that we're in. It's a wisdom psalm. It comes first. I want you to flip over. I think it's going to be on the screen here, but Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Is that there? Hey, yeah, okay. So this is just something to tell you that this is purposeful. So that was the beginning of the Psalms, okay? It's a wisdom psalm. Um, the Old Testament is split up into three parts, right? In, in, the, in Judaism, in the Jewish mind. First is the books of Moses, right? The five, first five books. The second is called the prophets, right? And the third is called the writings, okay? And that second section actually starts with this passage in Joshua. See if it sounds familiar. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Does that sound familiar? There's a ton of similarities between that and Psalm 1, and the idea is that wherever you go in the Word of God, how you approach it matters. Because if you approach it like, oh, this book has some nice stuff in it, but sometimes I disagree with it. That's the wrong way to approach it. That's not going to be successful. Uh, This is the word of God. And so let's get into it. Verse 1. Basically, the outline is just two points this morning. We're going to talk about the blessed man, and then we're going to talk about the wicked man. Look down at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel... Sorry, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. What does this word blessed mean? Right? Blessed, blessed, hashtag blessed, whatever you want to say, right? Um, We've come to think of it, and especially in that kind of like hashtag, take a picture of my meal and show you how blessed I am, kind of culture that we live in, that this this has to do with temporal blessings, right? That this has to do with the here and now. And really, in America, if we were honest... Most of us equate blessing with being comfortable, right? If life is comfortable, then we're blessed. And that is not not the, the biblical idea of blessed. It has nothing to do with materialism, right? God's people were blessed, could be blessed when they were in exile. God's people could be blessed when there were enemies at the gate. God's people could be blessed when they were at their peak of power and their kingdom was rich. God's people were blessed because of him, right? Blessing relates to God. Blessing relates to knowing that the God of the universe is on my side, right? Not not because I'm great, but because he's chosen to show his favor to me, right? Even though I didn't deserve it. Even though it's not like I was like, oh God, you should really be on my team. That's not, I don't think God was impressed my freshman year, right? He wasn't like, oh, that's the guy. I need to be on his team. No. But the, but the idea that he would let me be on his team, that's blessed. Right? If I can be on the team of the God of the universe by grace, through faith, then I'm blessed. Because I have everything I need at that point. I have eternal life. I have heaven I have uh, joy through trials. So that's what this word blessed means. And this was, confu- this was confusing as a young person because you do want to think of it in temporal terms, right? But again, God wants us to think on a term between me and him, okay? Um, I don't know if it's still this way at the high school and the middle school. I don't know if it's still this way at your workplace, but it's not very popular to follow Jesus, And it wasn't back then either, although it's gotten worse lately. I don't know if you guys have noticed, right? It's not not getting more popular to follow Jesus. It's not going to gain you in, it's not going to make you a bigger influencer, right? It's not going to make you uh, more, it's not going to put you in line for the promotion if you love Jesus. But blessed is the man. 
We have hope. God is on our team. We're on his team. Look down with me. So there's a progression here. Blessed is the man who walks not. Who walks not. We start with the negative. Some of us don't like it when God gives us negatives. When he tells us to stop doing something. When he tells us that we are not supposed to have something in our life. But I want to tell you, you cannot pick and choose. God, I really only want the positive stuff. I really only want to hear when you have a heaven for me or when you have a blessing, or a blessing for me or when, when there's a promise. That's all I really want to hear. But in reality, we have to come to terms with that the God of the universe has every right to tell me what I should and should not be doing. He has every right to tell me what's good for me and what's not. And so here he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Okay? I want to point out that word counsel. What, what we're talking about here is not that there would be no wicked people or sinners in your life. Okay, Because where would you go? Right? Because you're there. Okay? You're there. You're a sinner. We're wicked sometimes. Right? You certainly can't go to the high school if that's going to be the case. All right? You can't go to any college that I know of. You can't go to the country club or the golf course. Right? If we have to get wicked people out of our lives, then we, there's nothing we can do. But it says the counsel of the wicked. And, this, is, and this, was, this part was clear to me as a high schooler. It was this idea that I knew that there were people in my life that were walking with God or trying to and following him. And I knew that there were people in my life that were not. That did not care. They didn't care. They, 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 God was the last thing on their mind. And so the counsel of the wicked... This word wicked, it's just a generic word for bad people, people who, aren't, people who are rebelling against God, people who are going their own way. They're not the worst people. They're just, right? And I want to tell you, maybe you're here this morning, and you would think, oh, I would never describe myself as wicked. I want to tell you, right, we've all gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. There's none righteous, no, not even one. And so we do fit in all these categories. If we're not walking with Christ, if we're not letting him have the say in our lives, we fit into these categories very easily. But, but he says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. There are people who are set in their way that they don't care about God, and that's the way they're going. And he says, don't walk with them, nor stand in the way of sinners. So we go from walking to standing. Um, there is a difference there, Right? There's a difference. Walking is the idea of just coming into contact with people. And so when I come into contact with someone who's not loving Christ, I need to go, ah, I'm not going that way. I'm, I'm going to keep moving. Okay. This idea of stand is the idea that I'm hanging out. I'm hanging out with these people. Um, back when the high school had hallways, I don't know if you guys didn't know the high school doesn't have hallways right now, but uh, before school, we used to meet up all the people I could get there and we would stand around in the hallway of the high school and just chill out. And just, just talk, shoot the breeze, say uh, what, what happened over the weekend, what was everybody doing today, who had a test, Which, you know, who was going to fail their math test today. Those are the subjects that we talked about. And we would just stand there together. And so stand in the way of sinners. This way of sinners, the word sinner there means that someone who is being rebellious. right? Someone who knows where the lines are and who's going beyond them. Okay, again, you guys, you guys can all relate. At work, at wherever, like people who see the line and they say, no, I'm going to go beyond that. And it's the way of sinners. This idea of the way 
is that this is the pattern of their life. This is the pattern of their life. That they see lines and they say, no, I'm going to go buy that. That's a step further. It's a step further. And I want to warn you, if you're on that way, if that's the way you're going, it is not the way to blessing. Stands in the way of sinners. Look down, last phrase, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The idea of sitting is the idea of uh, we're making plans together. We're, we're, we're really, we're counseling each, like we're living life. We, we are right there with each other. And this word scoffer means someone that mocks God. Someone that mocks God. Now I want to tell you, my eighth grade year, that was me. Mock, a full-on mocker. Uh, my parents dragged me to church sometimes, and I would just mock. I feel so bad for those Sunday school teachers, so bad for the, like I remember being in VBS in sixth grade and I, they just must have hated me, right? Because it was make fun of all the songs. It was like, this is the lamest thing. And, and I like just being, just sowing chaos wherever I could go. God had started to change me my freshman year, but that's the idea of a scoffer, right? The idea that, that this person not only uh, is bad person, not only is going past the lines, but this person is mocking the God of the universe. Okay? Now, I want to I say something here. <clears throat> Nowadays, we spend so much time with these things, right? I'm using it for a clock because we don't have our clock up yet, but um, you don't want me to go forever. We spend so much time with this, so much time with a TV, right? So much time... Uh, podcasts and movies and everything that we can get and text messages and photos. All this stuff still applies to that. You guys get that, right? There are definitely mockers on TV. I know that. There are mockers on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. There are, there are mockers um, everywhere you could go. And so just because you're like, oh, well, you see, the, you see right? Because you could see someone at the golf course that, that is a drunkard or that mocks God and, and, and um, you know, put, like says something to you about going to church and how dumb it is, right? And you could go, oh, yeah, that's one of those people, right? And you circle and you go, that's one of these people. But sometimes we'll let the same people in on our phones or into our ears in a podcast or on a TV show. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't just apply this um, to, to people, people, but everybody, our whole lives, we want to apply this to. Okay? And again, it's not so much the idea that I would get, that I would never see that guy at the golf course, but it's the idea that I would mark someone like that and go, that, those are not my people. That is not the way that I go. That is not my thoughts. That is not the plans that I have. All right, because I want to be this blessed man. Okay, um, and I also want to remind you one thing: this is not relative to me. Do you guys get what I say? Like I'm not the one who sets the standard, right? It's not like, oh well, I mean, I'm a lot better than that person. No, no, no. I need to think of how does God think of this. You guys get the difference? This was hard, too, because in, in middle school, high school, when you're young, everything's about comparing, right? You're comparing. How do I measure up to this guy? Am I faster than that person? Am I stronger than that person? Some of us, we never get out of that. We, we're still, you know, we're living a life like that all the time. Where, oh, do, do, is that guy's car better than me? Is that, is that how, do they have a bigger house than me? What, what's that thing? 
um, and we're doing this comparing thing, and we're putting ourselves in the middle as if we set the standard. Uh, it's, not, it's not me. The standard is what does God think of a mocker? What does God think of this way of the sinner? What does God think of uh, walking with the wicked? Okay? Um, no offense, but what does God think of the TV shows you watch? Of the internet pages you go to? Of the people that you love, the, the people that are your people? And you may go, oh, well, God, of course he loves. He loves everybody, but he doesn't love the way of the sinner. Right? He doesn't love the mocker. Not in the way that we want to say that we do. Okay? This is fun stuff, I know. Now, okay, verse 2. We're on to something positive. Okay? But his delight, so I have this thing that I'm not supposed to do. I'm not supposed to go with the counsel of all this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What do you do with this book? What do you do with it? Are you passionate about it? Um, do, you, do you love it? I know a lot of, I, back in my day, it was um, sports stats, sports stats, right? If you had sports stats memorized, then you were a real fan, right? You could tell you who had been on the all-star team and who had hit this and what this guy's batting average was and what this guy's free throw average was, right? Um, some of us, it's song lyrics, right? We have so many song lyrics memorized. And I don't mean Christian, like just, just we, and yet this, we have nothing memorized, and you may go, oh, that's unfair. Eh, is it? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, I used to have a guy, a prof in college, who said, yes, this is another read your Bible sermon. Okay? Um, it's the new year. Some of you have made resolutions to read the Bible, and you've already failed, or some of you are going strong. Right? I want to encourage you. That's not a bad resolution. Do it. Do it. Get in the word of God. Delight in it. Love it. Say, hey, there are, there are promises for me in here. I can see my Savior here. I can see the plan of God for the nations in here. I can see the creation of man and who we really are. I can see all of that in the scriptures. And so be in it. Be in it. Um, Delight in it, memorize it, meditate on it. This, this idea of delight really is, what are you passionate about? And I want to challenge you. Um, the other times that this word is used in the Old Testament, it's used of liking a woman. Some of you know how passionate you can be about that. Obsessed almost. It's used of being a favorite friend. Right? That this, this is my bestie. This, this is the person. And it's used of even being passionate for a grand project, right? The idea that there was, there was a man who was building and he was, path, like he was passionate about his work. All those kinds of passion, that's what he's saying that we should have for the word of God. Isn't that crazy? Because the world doesn't care for this book. The world, in fact, the world thinks we're dumb. No offense. The world thinks we're stupid, for saying we're going to believe what's written here. Right? And they're coming for us. 
they do not like the fact that we believe what's written in here. Um, and I say, let them come, right? We're not afraid. So we're going to delight in this. We're going to delight in this. Look at verse 3. What, what's, the, what's the end of this, this blessed man? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. There's a promise of God that, his, that, that you will have joy through life, that he will plant you and root you so that you cannot be moved. Is that the kind of life we want to live? This was a big thing when I, when, when I was reading this my freshman year of being like, wow, like, this per, like a solid foundation, like doesn't have to move, doesn't have to be afraid, doesn't have to worry, doesn't have to chase after all the things that the world, well, you got to be popular and you got to be good at sports and you got to be, or you got to get the promotion or you'd better have the best house, you'd better have the best whatever. Uh, and yet this person is planted in bearing fruit because they're blessed by God, because they're walking in his word. And so I want to encourage you that this is, um, this is the way for us. It's planted by streams of water, right? He has what he needs. He yields fruit, right? God's bearing fruit through him in its season. Its leaf does not wither, right? That even the heat cannot, cannot touch him. And in all that he does, he prospers. It's incredible. Uh, so that's the blessed man. That's the blessed man. Obviously, there's a contrast coming. Look at verse 4. Not so the wicked, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff that the wind drives away. Of course. This is where it's wonderful when you go to a summer camp and you're reading the Bible and the guy who's up there can explain what the heck chaff is. Right? Because you're reading that as a freshman going, I, have, what is, I don't know what this word is is. Um, and so chaff is the leftovers, the leftovers of farming, right? The leftovers of farming. Like uh, one, one way to think of it is popcorn, okay? Popcorn. When you get popcorn and then you've eaten it all and there's just the leftovers at the bottom of the bowl, right? There's just the little flakes of the husk and the things that didn't pop, right? And all the salt down there. It's the leftovers, uh, when, when they had wheat, they could harvest the wheat, but they had to get the husks off. And so they would, they would literally, they would throw it up, right? And the wheat actually weighed something. And so it would fall back down and the wind would just blow the chaff away. Just like corn, baby powder, corn's like, just blow it away. You could watch on a windy day after the harvest, farmers would be out on these little platforms with their piles of wheat and they would be throwing it up and you could watch the chaff float away. And he says, that's the idea of the wicked. Blown everywhere. Worthless. Not, not, um, no roots, no substance, just, just tossed. And so here I am my freshman year in high school going, hmm, which, ah, I mean, I really wanted to be popular I really wanted to be a great athlete. I really thought there was going to be fulfillment in all these things. And yet, there was this choice before me. Right? And I loved sin, if I was honest, like my freshman year. Like, I wanted sin. I, I wasn't afraid to sin. 
and yet there was this choice before me. Maybe there's a choice before you. Now, I want to say something to clarify, because I see the look on some of your faces. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ died for you. Right? And there is great worth in that. There's great worth. And if you're struggling with sin so much, you're up to your eyeballs in it. Maybe you're living a double life. Maybe you're a dad and you're one way at work and you come home and you try to be a different way. Whatever it is, you, you, you're up to your eyeballs. I want to tell you, when I, say that, when I say that chaff is worthless, I'm not wanting to say that you're worthless. Right? Christ loves you and Christ will redeem you from that chaff way of life if you would repent and believe in him, right? If you would repent and believe. I cannot choose to hold on to my sin and also say, oh, I'm gonna love Christ. Can't do both. Now, we're gonna struggle. If you love Christ, you're still gonna struggle. You're gonna run back to sin sometimes. Like, there's plenty of growth. Like, all that is true. But the, my freshman years, there was this thing of like, I can't, I'm, I'm holding on to this. And I cannot hold on to that and also say that I love Christ. You have to repent and believe. Right? I have to turn away from what these wicked and sinful and scoffing people care about. And I have to turn to Christ. Okay? And so I want to say, God loves you, even in your sin, even when you're up to your eyeballs in it. But I also have to tell you, you're on a path that's terrible. And we're going to see the end of it in just a second. And God calls you to repent and believe and he will take you off of that path. And he will set you on the path of the blessed man. Okay? So just to clarify. All right? So look down at verse 5. So the chaff, we kind of all understand that. It's weightless. It's useless. Verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. What he does is he takes us from a metaphor, really, of the fields and the flowers, which is nice, and he transports us into a courtroom, into a courtroom. And there's a day where we're going to stand in the courtroom of God. There is a day. This was terrifying to hear as a freshman in high school, but I needed it. (laughs) Some of us still need it, um, and I do too. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. So I'm there in the courtroom, and God takes the bench. What am I going to do? Am I going to say, but I was being cool? Am I going to say, but I I just wanted to be good at my job? I just wanted to get promoted? I just wanted to be popular at the country club? I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to, to have fun and be, be the life of the party. Am I going to stand before the judgment seat of God and say that? It says the wicked will not stand in judgment. That's not the, they'll be there, but the idea is that they will have nothing to stand on. <laughs> right? That the weight of it, the burden of the guilt, and the actual fact that we are guilty will bow them down. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
those of us who've been made righteous with Christ will stand as a congregation. And again, we're not going to sing our own praises. <laughs> hey, we made it. You didn't. You must be bad. No, we're going to say we were all bad. We all deserve to be in that judgment seat. But instead, we can stand as a congregation of the righteous because Jesus Christ died for us and because we've repented and believed in him. The wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's the idea that the Lord shepherds the way of the righteous, that the Lord is intimately involved, that the Lord is caring and and watching over the way of the righteous. His people, I don't want you to, when you see righteous there, I don't want you to think righteous because I'm good. I want you to think righteous because of Christ, righteous because I've believed, righteous because I'm following him. I'm not perfect, but I'm following Christ and I'm choosing to go against the wicked, against the sinners, against the scoffers, and I'm going with Christ. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It leads to death. It leads to death. Look at the very first word of the psalm. Blessed. Look at the very last word. Perish. That's what the book of Psalms starts out with. That's the choice. That's what the writing, that's what the historical books start off with in Joshua. That's That's what the Bible presents us, is will we repent and follow Christ Or will we perish? And I want to encourage you today, maybe you are like me, sitting there my freshman year on the fence. I really was on the wicked side, but I thought I was on the fence, but God was working in me. Um, Choose Christ. (laughs) Walk away from your foolishness. Walk away from your drunkenness, or walk away from your pride, or walk away from your party life or walk away from your materialism, walk away from this, the, the foolishness of thinking we're going to be saved by politics, walk away from anything like that, that scoffers and mockers and sinners and the wicked have put their lives into and turn to Christ and say, I'm going to delight in you. I'm going to delight in you. A couple applications. Um, what you delight in will always change you. What you delight in will always change you. Um, the whole book of Proverbs is dedicated mainly to that fact. But there was a thing where when I chose to follow Christ, I needed to not delight in these things anymore. right? And as I delighted more in Christ, he worked in me. Right? And not, I'm not perfect. I was not perfect then. But there were changes in my life that started that year, my freshman year of high school. And, it, and because I was, I was reading his word and because I was listening when, when my youth pastor was preaching and because I was in church, in big church, listening to the senior pastor preach, I, I, God was working in me. And he will always work in you according to what you delight in. Um, and so read the word. That's a big application from today, if you haven't noticed. You can't delight in something you don't know. Right? Look for promises. Look for the character of God. Look for your Savior. Look for prophecies fulfilled. Look for eternal life. If you want to know what heaven's like, look to, look to the end. Whatever, whatever, just delight in it. Delight in it. And um, it will change you. 
And then the second application I've already said a bunch of times, but if you are being wicked, you need to repent. You need to repent. And even if you're a Christian here, and yet there's an area of, there's an area of wickedness, there's an area where you're holding on to what the, that path, the scoffing path is, you need to repent. Repent is just a big word for know what you're doing is wrong and go the other way. Change. And you may go, but it's going to be hard. Yeah, it might be. But I'm going to be embarrassed. Yeah, it might be too. But my friends won't like me. Yeah, almost definitively. <laughs> right? It's fine though. Um, when I was in college, it was sweet because I was working with this youth group and there was a kid and his name was Anthony Pizzo. Pizzo. I always remember him because his name was Pizzo. And he was a runner and he was Italian. And he went to a winter camp, and we were talking about something similar to this. And later in small groups after the winter camp, he said that <laughs> he said that he went up to his friends and told them that he had been living in a dirty cistern and was out of there. And he left. He left his friends. And he said that God offered him fountains of living water. It's always dangerous when you mention someone in a sermon, but then I looked on his Facebook page the other day, and I think he's still following Jesus, so I'm glad about that. Um, I haven't talked to him since I was in college, but um, it seems to me like he's prospering. Uh, last question, where is Christ in this psalm? Where is Christ in this psalm? Just for encouragement. He's the one who blesses. He's the giver and the fulfillment of the law the only one who the Old Testament points to. He is the one who plants, waters, and causes us to bear fruit. He is also the one who winnows out the chaff. He is the judge before whom we will stand. He is the leader and the head of the congregation of the righteous. He is the way of righteousness, our only way to heaven. Right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Last, he is also the one who will cause all wickedness to perish. So I ask you, is your delight in walking with Christ? Or are you walking, standing, and sitting with those who are mocking him? Okay, let me pray for us. God, thanks for your word. Um, God, I struggle to present it as I should. Lord, this passage has been convicting to me all over again, as if I was a freshman in high school again. Um, God, thank you that you continue to work in our lives. Thank you that we can always delight more in you. But thank you, God, for the forgiveness of sins that comes in Jesus. Thank you that salvation is real, that heaven is real, that the promises are real, that we have hope beyond the grave, that we have hope for every trial in life, that we have your sustaining grace in everything that we would face because this is what it means to be blessed by you. So God, I pray for those here who are hearing my voice, who've heard your word. God, for those that are walking with you, I ask for encouragement. I ask that they would delight more in your word. God, for those who are straying from you, I pray that they would be reminded to turn away from wickedness and to turn to you. And God, for those who have never turned to you, for those who, like me my freshman year, 
we're holding on to the wickedness of the world and the, the sinner, the sinful way. God, I pray that this very day they would choose to cast that aside, knowing that it's a way that perishes and that instead they would come to you. God, thank you so much for our church family. Thank you for Pastor Kevin and his family. I pray you would be with them and encourage them as they're away this weekend. Um, Zewald has gone to be with you. I pray that you would um, be with his family and in their grief, may they rejoice as well that he loved you and that he has passed that love on to them. God, I want to pray uh, for those that are sick in our community as well, um, Lord, that you would heal them, that we would minister to them, and that you would be gracious to us. Um, God, thank you so much for this church, for this family, for this brand new building. Um, what, a, what a wonderful joy it is to be a part of your family. Uh, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.